With your hosts, Chip Murphy and Jeff Campbell, we are up to episode eight of our draft series, and we've been talking to a lot of assistant coaches, um, gathering as much draft intel before the draft in June. Hopefully, uh, we know that the Knicks have a very high pick in the lottery, and we want to make sure that you know they're picking the right person. We have a very special guest tonight, someone who I've spoken with before, knows a lot about the game and a lot about these prospects. Very grateful to have basketball news is Derek Murray with us tonight. Derek, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? Appreciate you guys having me on. 100%. And I think the best place to start is at number 11, which is where the Knicks will be picking. Um, this question, I, I understand even before asking it, is going to be a little difficult to answer. Of course, it depends on who's on the board. Um, what needs are there and whatnot, but just in around, you know, draft circles, people that you have been talking to, who are some guys that you think the Knicks are targeting with that 11th pick in the lottery? Yeah. So the obvious one, <clears throat> excuse me, the one that Knicks fans are tired of hearing about is Ty Ty Washington. Um, he's, I'm not going to focus too much there on him because in our latest uh, iteration of the mock draft, which we will release tomorrow, we actually have Johnny Davis there at number 11. So that's the guy I'd probably focus on most right now. Um, the guard from Wisconsin, again, great season. I feel like a lot of Knicks fans know who he is and have studied his game. Uh, I feel like a lot of Knicks, either writers or podcasters, have kind of done their homework because we're probably not the first and won't be the last to mock him to New York. But he comes in, I think he can play right away. Tough guard is okay to have the team on his shoulders on both ends of the floor. Um, I think next to R.J. Barrett, it's actually a really, really nice fit. Like, that's a difficult duo to hang with for the entire game. And then he's kind of a mix and match between um, quickly. So it's kind of the guy where you have power on one and then you have speed with another. It's kind of like an NFL running back tandem where you've got the speed guy, you've got the bruiser. I actually think it could be really nice there at that two-guard position. So we have Johnny Davis there. Um, I think A.J. Griffin is one to watch um, based on just my personal conversations Griffin, I'm not going to say is slipping, but is probably just not as highly regarded across the league as maybe I or others thought early on. He's probably, you know, mid to back end of the lottery at this point instead of near the front. So Ty Ty, Johnny Davis, AJ Griffin. Um, I'll throw in Matherin if he were to get there. I don't necessarily see him being there at 11. Um, and then kind of the dark horse one at this point, I do not expect Malachi Branham to get out of the lottery. So if he, if, you know, I'll be curious to see if the Knicks like him. I have not heard that anywhere, but he's a name that in that range is worth studying and looking at. Uh, the combine just wrapped up. Uh, and I, this is, you're not the first person to say, or I, I've read that AJ Griffin is uh, slipping now. Did something happen at the combine that caused this talk that AJ Griffin may be slipping? No, not that I'm aware of. Um, I think just when people really dive into what he looked like in high school versus what he looked like this season at Duke, they're fairly different players, you know, kind of coming off that knee injuries. He's 6'6", great frame, great length, powerful upper and lower body. 
But in high school, you know, he was a guy that could burn you off the dribble, put it on your head at the rim. And that kind of a quick twitch explosion just wasn't really there this year, Duke coming off that injury. So he kind of made himself into, again, by all standards, an elite spot-up shooter, shooter yeah. off the dribble, off the move. I think he was like 44.5% from three or something like that. So it's not that he's slipping. I just think sometimes um, so there's, there's some teams that will always bank on the elite NBA athletes. And while he has the frame, you're going to have guys like Matherin maybe go ahead of him. And then the Dyson Daniels push as of late, I think, has propelled him yeah. in front of Griffin as well. So, again, it's not a thing that he's falling. It's not an anti-Griffin thing from any it's team more or outlet. guys are moving ahead of him. It's just kind of the guys are moving yeah. ahead of him, and he's the one that by default gets pushed back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think also the him shooting a lot was also more by design with that Duke offense. Paolo just dominated the ball so much, and rightfully so. He kind of got lost in that Cam Reddish spot up shooting role which he did a lot better but I think that happens at, at Duke sometimes but yeah I, I understand the injury history I think plays a lot into that and I know his his he struggled on defense too but his body I think he can just develop into a such a stud on defense yeah and, and if and if a team takes him up at that kind of six seven eight range which I still think there's a chance that happens it's somebody buying the defensive potential that they believe it's elite and then buying that he can get back to his old self at high school. Like if they see the film and it's truly like you're saying, he did kind of get pigeonholed in this role and he just wasn't allowed to showcase what he can really do. Then you take him that high for sure. And at that point I wouldn't expect him to be there at 11. Right. But you said you changed uh, the mock to uh, uh, the Knicks taking Johnny. What happened that made you switch from Ty Ty to Johnny for the Knicks? I, I think that, um, it's kind of a domino effect. So I think Dyson Daniels to New Orleans is a perfect fit at eight. I think they could use him. They could use that position. The buzz around him is sky high right now. He's going to be a great player in the NBA, measured well, tested well, whole thing. I think that that makes Ty Ty Washington a desirable target for Washington at 10, which then you would come to the Knicks at Johnny Davis. That's where I, that's where I think it's not that, I've heard anything that says the Knicks like him more. It's that <laughs> I think Ty Ty will may have the chance to be gone actually, okay. which is why, yeah, which is why Knicks fans will be able to breathe with uh, Davis. So, yeah. So in our update, we're going to go Daniels at eight, Duran at nine to San Antonio, Ty Ty at 10 to Washington, Johnny Davis, 11 to the Knicks, Griffin at 12 to the Thunder, Mark Williams at 13 to the Hornets. So that'll be our update there at the back of the lottery. Mark Williams at 13 to the Hornets is the most popular pick that I've seen so far. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be surprised if he didn't get past there. But yeah, Davis to the Knicks is, I, Jeff, you can agree with me. I think that he's become so popular on I, Knicks Twitter with us, Johnny Davis. He has. And Derek, I want to ask you a little bit more about Davis because he had um, a real hot streak, I want to say, like early to the middle part of the college basketball season. I think what impresses me so much about him is his defense and particularly against other elite players in college basketball. When I watched him take on the assignment of guarding Jaden Ivey when they played Purdue and you see him make things really difficult for him. You see him fight through screens, you see him hedge, you see him recover quickly. Um, things like that are really impressive. Of course, the shot making is probably the most translatable skill to the NBA. But I do think one criticism that I want to know if you think is valid and what you think, how it'll translate to the NBA is 
him being able to create his own shot. Um, I could see how, how others, because of his size and length, maybe not elite athleticism, may question whether he can do that in the NBA. Uh, what, what do you say to that? I think he'll be able to get his own shot, but it's not with that quick twitch, you know, Trey Mann, or sorry, yeah, Trey Mann with the Thunder. I get Trey and Terrence mixed up sometimes. Trey's like the snatchback, his ability to just get you off of him with dribble moves. It's not going to be that. It's going to be that he's tough. He's going to use his shoulders, his body. He understands using angles. I think he'll be able to get his own shot in the NBA. My concern is the consistency from the three-point line. That's that's going to be the issue for me. He was really hot at one point, then he totally cooled off. Yeah. Ended up around 30%. So, um, and I know at some point in his career, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Knicks basketball. It's my understanding that that was an issue with RJ Barrett a little bit as well, where you could score and get his own shot. The shooting was a little bit inconsistent from deep. So that could become an issue if you have two guys that score in similar ways like that. But again, the toughness, both have positional size. Um, and then Davis brings that defensive competitive, like leadership element as well. That's where I think it fits great. Have you heard anything about how he's interviewed? I know that the Knicks have already met with him and Matherin, um, and I'm sure they've met with A.J. Griffin because I saw photos of Tibbs and A.J. Griffin's dad at the Combine. I know I think his dad was on uh, Tibbs' coaching staff with, when he was with the Bulls. But have you heard anything about how Davis is interviewing? Because I know um, in previous drafts, that can be something that can really propel a kid uh, in terms of their draft stock. Yeah, so I haven't made too many calls about his interviews yet. Um, but I've received nothing that's negative in any way. And a lot of times that's what guys I talk to will tell you first, just kind of like, Hey, well, you know, this didn't go well, this didn't go well. I haven't received any of that with Davis. So on all accounts, as far as I know, interviews are going great for him. Now, when you were with uh, the Thunder and even now, what are some positive signs from the combine and what are some red flags from there that you look for? Because we always see, guys that improve their stock from there and guys whose stock is declining. Yeah. For me, it's not necessarily the measurements like the anthro measurements are what they are. Um, I don't put a ton of stock into it. I personally do care about the vertical jump quite a bit, both the standstill and the max. So that's where I think Jalen Williams definitely helped himself. That's where I think Kendall Brown kind of solidified himself as one of the best athletes in the draft. Kennedy Chandler jumped really well. I think he put up a 40. Yeah. Um, Patrick Baldwin Jr. really hurt himself. He went 23 standing and 26 and a half max. And I think that brings in some real question marks about his athleticism on the NBA floor. So I don't know if he's going back to school yet. We have left him in our update, but if I were him, you know, I may even lean going back to school. So that's what I take from, from the physical testing. And then interviews are always interesting. You know, some of the stories you hear, they some teams try to confuse you. They throw like they're just random, weird questions where kids almost like, why do you even ask me that? Right. It's almost how can you get these players off their game? Because I'll, the best agents, they train you for these interviews. Like, that's a lot of what there are a lot of people, their money uh, to be made by people who help you train for these interviews. So you give them standard questions, they'll be fine. It's the teams who try to trip them up with like weird or funny stuff is always interesting to me. Um, I like when teams put value in finding out who thinks they do or do not have room to improve. Like who thinks they kind of have already made it, who's coming in hungry and ready to 
and self-aware to say, hey, I know I need to work on ABC versus maybe the players who say, or even if it's hidden, kind of underlying, well, I know I'm, you know, God's gift to basketball. Right. So I, that's what I would right try away. to put value. Yeah. Right. Like I, I appreciate when teams try to suss that out because um, I think that's really important. Right. And just also what kind of stock do you, I've always been fascinated by the shooting drills because you're just shooting wide open, like 60, 80 shots, whatever, wide open. I've always been fascinated by how much stock the teams put into that. I don't care how many you make okay. or how many yeah. you miss. I care what it looks like. Okay. Yep. I care what it looks like. As far as the number on the screen, I couldn't care less. Okay. That's what I kind of thought. Because I always see like, like, I think it was Johnny Davis this year who didn't even shoot. Like his agent just said, I'm not even shooting. And I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Because teams know what his shot looks like. So, okay. I see that now. Derek, who would you say are um, some of the sleepers in this draft? And maybe... Uh, it's a bit of a broad question. Maybe if we go to round one, who would you say that maybe somebody in the combine who really improved their stock and is now going from round two to round one or guys that maybe just you personally are high on that are not necessarily getting uh, the shine right now? Yeah, I think Max Christie from Michigan State is one that probably isn't getting near the media love that he deserves. Um, he's got some serious potential, you know, six five long arms, beautiful mechanics. The shot is just pure. And even though he struggled shooting from deep at the beginning of the year, and it's tough for any freshman to come in and excel at Michigan State. Like that's just historically a difficult thing to do. Um, well, I'm glad he's staying in. I think he's got a chance to go at the back end of the first and be an absolute steal. So he's the guy, at least in first round, that stands out to me. Um, I think Jalen Williams helped himself a lot from Santa Clara, maybe from like mid to late second to late first early second um, I don't personally buy the whole lottery stuff that's going around I think teams are going to value the youth and upside uh, over him but again he's got a chance to to go in the first now with a great week um, Josh Minot from Memphis mm-hmm. is a guy that I think really has a chance to go at the back end of the first as well he's gaining a little more traction so I wouldn't say he's necessarily a sleeper anymore but he's a guy that people still don't know a ton about um, just because he didn't have that high of a usage or that much volume at Memphis. And then in the second round, I think you're looking at Sasser had a great week at the combine. That's my guy right there. Yeah. Jeff Ryan Rollins. Rollins had a great combine. Andrew Nemhart had a great combine. We put all of them in our second round. So those are the ones that I kind of take away of like, all right, you guys had a good week. What about Malachi Branham? Uh, Brown because from Ohio State because we just there was an article that came out in the New York Post recently about how uh, he could be an option now for the Knicks at eleven. He had a, a good combine. He could be another. We see that stuff all the time. Guys shooting up, obviously, but could he be someone the Knicks should take or could take? Sorry. Yeah, I think the Knicks. You, you do have to look at him because if a lot mm-hmm. of these guards are off the board, like let's say for some you know crazy thing, you you get a Daniels. Matherin, Ty Ty Davis run there right ahead of you. Like, yeah, Branham's a guy that needs to be looked at. Um, plays <laughs> is can really score on all three levels. Honestly, it's really special. He's really crea- uh, creative and crafty. Great touch from both the mid range and from three. Really turned it on and got better as the season went on. And is teams uh, one of team's favorite interviews so far. Mm. Like teams absolutely love this kid. Okay. So I do not see him getting out of the lottery. And again, if there's a run on guards, you need to be prepared. And then it becomes a kind of Duran 
uh, Branham type discussion there at 11. Because those are the two that would fall. I want to stay on the yeah. guard conversation for a minute because um, we talked to an assistant from Auburn, probably one of our first interviews for kind of this season of the draft coverage that we were doing. And we always try and ask the assistants, you know, listen, who's the toughest guy that you played against? Um, you know, some assistants will be forthright and some will give you kind of a cookie cutter answer. But he said Kennedy Chandler was one of the more special players that uh, they played against. To me, that kind of spoke volumes because they're in the SEC. The SEC is a really tough conference. But he said specifically that he would make certain passes, the angles that he was hitting just didn't seem like with his size. Now, his measurements are great that he, you know, could kind of get that off. But I wanted to throw, because uh, we've kind of touched on them a little bit, but I wanted to see if you could rank for me um, Sasser, who is a guy that I'm personally really high on, Kennedy Chandler, Andrew Nemhard, and Ryan Rollins. Um, out of those four, who would you tab as the guy that, that has the best potential to be something special and um, maybe where some of the other guys rank? Yeah, so we have Kennedy Chandler at 19 in our mock draft. We have Nemhard at 42, Rollins at 44, and Sasser at 55. So it's a pretty significant gap there that I think Chandler's the guy. Um, Tennessee coaches speak incredibly highly of him. You know, his high school tape is awesome. He's a leader. He's physically and mentally tough, really good speed, and a quick twitch guy. Obviously, being 5'11", I think it was 5'11 and a half at the combine. You know, he jumps a 40, which helps combat that a little yeah. bit. But at that size, to play guard in the NBA, you know, at least become a starter, you need to do something at an elite level. I don't necessarily know what that is yet. He's a great passer, has a really good vision, tough defender, really struggled shooting this year at times, especially when big guys would or the guards would go underneath the screen, kind of exposed him a little bit of like, okay, I don't know if you're going to be able to hit the shots like this, similar to Sharif Cooper last year. Yeah. So Chandler, his leadership, his mental makeup, I still think makes him a first round pick, but he is ahead of that group. Uh, but he's one to monitor if, what is that one elite skill that teams bank in or bank on to, to like justify drafting him you at a certain point there, maybe mid uh, late teens, early twenties. It's interesting too, that you bring up the confidence that he either had or didn't have when the defender would go under the screen, because one of the assistant coaches actually said that to us. They said that the, there was a change in his season where, you know, somebody would sag off him. And he would hesitate, but towards the end, and again, and he had a great SEC tournament, but I think towards the back end of the season is when he started to pick up on that a little bit. Um, I guess one other scenario, sticking with Chandler that I would want to throw at you, what do you think is the gap between Johnny Davis and Kennedy Chandler? Because if I'm the Knicks front office, is the gap big enough that I have to take Davis if I have the opportunity to get him? Or can I trade back and have the opportunity to get Kennedy Chandler and potentially another asset and really build my team? Or, you know, like, like I said in the beginning, is the gap too big that it's like, listen, Johnny Davis has the best chance of being a stud. You take him, you get him in your locker room, you worry about it later. I probably just take Davis. He's going to be at least early on, I think he'll be the better player. You know, long-term, we'll have to see. They both are very tough, very competitive, willing to improve and get better. So I think they're both going to be on great tracks as they get older. The speed and size of the NBA game 
is really, really difficult to just jump in. You know, Chandler, again, yes, he had a great vertical. Being 5'11", we'll have some stuff to figure out. Davis is, what, 6'5", 200 pounds, physically tough. He's physically ready to step on an NBA floor tomorrow. And that's where I justify, okay, like this is Johnny Davis territory. The one spot where I actually could see the Knicks trading back, again, this is just me. I have not heard this anywhere. But Charlotte, if they're really going to want either Duran or Mark Williams, I really think that the Thunder could use that as well at 12. Charlotte has 13 and 15. If they want to jump the Thunder, would the Knicks take 13 and 15 for 11 and something else? Mm. I think that's something that Charlotte is probably at least going to feel out if they think, like, let's say San Antonio takes Duran. Mark Williams is the only big left on the board up there. You're kind of terrified Thunder are going to take them. They need to get to 11. I still would consider 15 too early to take Chandler. So I wouldn't take him at 11. Um, I, I think 13 and 15 would still be too soon, even if those are the picks that you guys ended up with. Because you'd be leaving some really high upside wings on the board at that point. Right. That's, I mean, based on the Knicks, this front office's history trading down for 13 and 15 feels like something they would absolutely do. But who, like, if they were to trade down to 13, 15, who are some guys you think they should target at that range? At that point, I'm definitely, like, all in on Branham at one of them. Okay. Because um, okay. if someone traded up, it could be for Branham. It seems more like a Duran Mark Williams. That's who somebody feels like they need to go get kind of guy. So, again, and then it becomes, do you value long-term upside or are you trying to win right now? Just your, your opinion right now, would the Knicks go upside or would they be like – we're trying to, I need somebody who's going to be ready to go and contend in like two years. I think upside. I, I think they'll I hope the upside. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. I guess. Yeah. You know, I want them to pick best player available. I think our, the Knicks Twitter conversations have always centered around how much power does Thibodeau have in those conversations because he's always a win now guy, but I think the front office and chip, you let me know if, if you disagree with me, but I think they've been pretty good about, when they've been drafting to not just look at um, what can help us right now, but what can help us down the line. Yeah, I, I agree with you. If, if Tibbs had ultimate power, then they wouldn't even make the pick. They'd trade the pick. Right. So right. we know he doesn't have complete power in the front of I think he does have some say, but we yeah. know he's going to have some input, but I'm not worried about them, you know, trading the pick or anything crazy like that. I, no, I think they'll go with best player available. Like I said, based on their history, they've already traded down before. Maybe they'll do that again. I hope they don't. I hope they stay at 11 and just take the best player there, like someone like Davis or Duran, Williams, whatever. But no, I, I like the idea of them just taking the best player available, going upside. And like the idea that no matter who they take, someone can just come in and help them win right now. Like that's just delusional talk. So I hope they're not thinking that. I think at that point, with that in mind, if you have 13 and 15, there are five guys that come to mind for me. Okay. You got Branham, uh, Ogbaji. Oh, love him. Yeah, I love him. Love him. Bochamp. Marjan, yeah. Tari Eason and Sohan. You come out with any combination. That's pretty Okay, good. so yeah. would you rather have Johnny Davis at 11 or a combination of those two, of two of those five? 
Well, okay, so you said Brandon. Look at, look at Chip so on <laughs> Chip is just Chip is no, in trouble right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll actually say this. There's a if you give me Brandon and Eason, I think I might take that over Johnny Davis. Brandon and Eason. I mean that. Like honestly, you you give me two of any of those five in four years. That's a problem. Better than Johnny. I don't know, but I've watched so much Big Ten basketball this year and watched a lot of Johnny Davis, so maybe I'm jaded towards him, but I, I don't know. He's looked so good this year. I don't know if I could pass on him for the, any of those two five. I really like Branham, though. Branham I really like, so I'd have to consider it. And Agbaji, Branham and Agbaji, you'd have to consider it, but I think yeah. I'd Davis. The interesting thing to me, it's funny, Chip, because it's like I'm almost – remembering back to our conversation with um Polinsky from Tennessee mm-hmm. and he just kept saying you know when Cleveland is out there playing three seven footers and everybody thinks they're crazy if if, if you can get multiple wings that are long and versatile and can guard multiple positions shot make pass defend I mean uh, yeah look at the look at the Celtics Celtics aren't playing a traditional point guard right now right Two two wins away from the finals, I think, right now. It's why yeah. last year. Yeah. It's why why last year I really hoped Orlando would go Wagner Kuminga in their two picks. Oh, that would have been fun. Just give me two versatile wings at that size. I mean, if they both click, you like you've built a legitimate, a legitimate, really good basketball team, right? Um, and that's kind of look at this too, which again is why I would talk Charlotte out of not doing it because is losing those two. Like, would you like, do you value Mark Williams enough to pass on a combination of those five guys just to jump the thunder if you think that you guys want the same player? And that's not to say that they won't jump up to take Branham or to take Easton or to take Sohan, you know? So, but that's where I would look from the Charlotte perspective of, okay, yeah, I know that the player right, the team right in front of you wants that guy. Are you willing to give up on these two to get that one? At that point, it's when you look in your war room and say, uh, we're, this is going to take a minute. <laughs> like this yeah. is a lot to hash, hash out here. I was immediately thinking Jordan loves his blue bloods guys like Mark Williams. He would love to bring him in, but you also, you have Agbaji there too from Kansas who he would love to have. He just loves guys like that. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's, I don't think it's smart to give up two picks in this draft to, to go up and get to move up one spot or two spots, whatever. I think this is a deep draft. Yeah, there, there are probably very few players in that late lottery to late teens that I would be willing to move to like two first for. Right. Because all the way back until probably 18, 19, 20, like it's some serious talent. Like I like Mark Williams a lot, but what, what, like what's the gap for you between Williams and Branham or Agbaji, someone like that? Yeah, at that point, I mean, sometimes at the top, especially in the lottery, you don't have to take team construction into it too much it's grab the best and most talented player like you guys were saying at 11 like you take the most talented player you know for a team like the thunder and the hornets you look at the way they're built right now grabbing a center like mark williams is awesome for in three years he develops now you've got a seven footer in the paint you already have talent around you like that's why i think williams has shot up because the value of that even though yes traditional centers aren't loved there is a place for them and there are rosters that need them but at the same time, at the end of the day, when I'm starting to build a roster, I value the wing more. That's just me personally. Right. So in your opinion, taking a center 
at 11 is too high? I don't think it's too high. It's too high to give up two first four. Okay. I don't think it's too high to take them. Like I think that the Spurs at nine um, and the Thunder at 12 are both teams that could and have a really good chance of taking a big. I mean, the, the Spurs, they have one more year of Pirtle, and they have, if I remember correctly in their contracts, no basically fives on their team. Right. That's where Duran makes a ton of sense. And that's why we have him there right now. So I don't think it's too early. Um, to be at least, to be honest, those are the only two centers we have anywhere near that high. And that's why I think there's value there as well, because it's not even just player value. It's value first, the replacement value and the opportunity cost you're leaving at the table. So if you're Charlotte or the Thunder, th- Thunder specifically because they have 30, it's okay, would I rather have Branham and then Walker Kessler at 30, or would I, who's the next center on the board for us mm-hmm. after Williams? So it's a huge gap. Or would I have Mark Williams and then, a, you know, a choice of McGowan's, Minot, Watson, Wendell Moore. And then it's like, okay, if these are the two options. How much is Mark Williams worth comparatively when you have the wings that would switch also? And Derek, actually, I, I do want to keep it on the bigs um, for a minute, just because, you know, in, in, in Nick's uh, rumor land. So we've been seeing a lot of talk about Mitchell Robinson potentially not being here next year. And so I know on your guys' board right now, Jalen Duran is, is the top center at nine. Um, you know, Mark Williams is, is uh, I believe, in, in late teens for you guys. I do have a question about Walker Kessler because he's somebody that I, I feel like I watched a bunch of this year. I really liked how he played. I liked how he improved. He led the nation in blocks. Um, I thought he, for the lack of elite athleticism that might be there, I thought his timing was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that there's been a concern about him that if you switch him onto the perimeter, he's going to get really exposed. I did see that at times here. I don't know how legit that concern is. Um, is that anything that you're hearing about people that are evaluating Kessler? I, I still think that he's going to be a pretty good pro, but how do you see him? Yeah, I think he has a good chance to go late first, early second. I think, you know, 25 to 35, 20 to 35 is probably his range. Um, a, a lot of teams do have questions about the foot speed. How can he move laterally? Um, is he going to get played off the floor when a team goes five out? He's on the point guard. Is it just, uh-oh. What I'll give him is he is really good, just innate timing. The timing on his shot blocks are awesome. He has good hands. Even though his feet are fairly slow, I think he has good feet, if you will. So I think he's worth taking a stab at at the end of the first round. Um, And he is right after Williams. So we actually have Williams at 13. We have Duran at nine, Williams at 13, Kessler at 30. So it's a pretty significant gap. But again, not many teams I've talked to have talked down on him at all. Nobody's really had any kind of concerns of, oh, he doesn't move well. You know, we can't take him. We're not looking until 45. Like, haven't had that either, which I do have for a lot of other bigs. Um, So I think that 25 to 40 is probably his range. And I expect somebody to take him there maybe at the end of the first. Because if it does click, if you can make him any quicker, like in spurts, he's going to look like Gobert. Like, you give him, hey, I need 10 minutes tonight he's going to go out there and get two blocks. Like, yeah. That's just what he excels at. So if you value that, you have a hole on your bench unit in the center position, then yeah, absolutely take him. Um, I think the mobility is just enough of a question mark for me that I can't justify him moving him up too high. 
of the three of those guys that I mentioned, uh, Duren, Williams, and Kessler, I don't think either of them, and you correct me if I'm wrong, uh, would be considered a, a shooter based on sample size or, or whatnot. But out of those three, because I've seen them shoot at some points, and I know um, Kessler's put up a couple threes in, in games here and there, and sometimes they look okay, sometimes they miss badly. But out of those three, which have the potential to maybe be a, a, a stretch five in the future? I actually think if I had to pick out of those three, it is Kessler. Okay. Um, I don't think Duran attempted a three. His mid-range and the touch oh, yeah, mid-range was, yeah. was actually pretty good. I think he'll be able to score that. Again, very Montrez Harrell, if you will. I think Montrez Harrell, Derek Favors, kind of what you're looking at with Duran. Um, Williams, I don't think, see him ever really being asked to stretch the floor. Just don't think that's his game. Kessler, there were moments. If I remember correctly, I don't have the numbers he may have hit single digit threes yeah but again it's enough that i know you're okay taking them at least in a small volume and that is generally an indicator of let's see what we can work towards when you take zero i've got questions even if you take 20 like if a center went 0 for 20 on the year i would feel more confident in that person than the guy who went zero for zero right because you at least took them so if i had to pick out of those three kessler would be my my answer there Derek, if you feel uh, comfortable telling us, I don't know the pick, the Knicks have a pick in the second round. Uh, who do you guys have in your mock at 42? Uh, Nemhard. Oh, okay. Nemhard. Uh, I would yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he solidified himself. He got much better. You know, when he came into high school, he was at Florida or came into college, excuse me. Uh, he went to Florida. I was fairly underwhelmed with the athleticism, with some of the decision-making. I think he was a pretty good passer right off the bat. But I was like, man, like really wanted more from this kid. Goes to Gonzaga first year. I think, okay, it's starting to click a little bit. And then this year was like, whoa, like this is legitimate. Played great and then say tournament, conference tournament. You're like, all right, this kid has figured it out. Goes up to the combine. As far as I was told by everybody, just absolutely crushed it. Um, interviews I've been told have been really good. He scored didn't he score a ton of points in the second combine game, right? I didn't look at a ton of box scores. It was 20-something. It was 25, but I, I might be wrong on that. Yeah. He had a big so game, I know. I mean, it's 6'4", yeah. nearly 200 pounds, good positional size. Um, I think you can run him as your pure one, which there aren't many of those in this class where you're like, you are a pure point guard. So if I'm the Knicks, again, I think he comes in. The upside is somewhat limited, but I think he's a safe pick that you can rely on as a backup point guard probably as early as year two, maybe if, if not sooner, if not sooner in spurts. Um, but yeah, we have Nemhard there at 42. Was, um, I, you know, his, I think the thing that impressed me so much about him this year, his pick and roll game with Timmy was unbelievable. I mean, I, I think I remember as early as a game uh, against Texas. I mean, they absolutely just ran riot on them. And, uh, you know, I mean, they're, especially Timmy as a veteran player that, you know, looks pretty good, but Andrew Nimhard would be a, a great pick. Chip, is there any other guys, whether it's like late first round or second rounders that, that you were uh, thinking of? Uh, I don't know if necessarily this is for the Knicks, but second rounders, I don't think we've even talked to anyone about Trevion Williams yet. 
but he's a guy who I really yeah. love and saw, saw him play in person when I saw Purdue play in Connecticut. And he, I just think he's really fun player to watch. And I loved watching him at the combine too, in the scrimmages. I just want to know what you think of him, Derek. We have him mocked right now, 51 to Golden State. Love to see him at the top of the key, passing at the top yeah. in the Draymond yeah, yeah. I think he could be really, really good. Obviously, we all know about how skilled he is, the footwork down mm-hmm. on the post. Um, the athleticism and length on NBA floor will be, I'll say, a moderate issue early on. I don't think it's going to be glaring because he's so intelligent, yeah. especially with the ball, that I don't think he's going to be – you know, it's not going to be blatantly obvious of all oh, that that guy doesn't need to be out here. I don't think we're going to see that with Williams at all. So I would absolutely take him in the second round. I think he can get you buckets. I think at the top of the key, surveying the floor as a passer, I think he's awesome and will be in a rotation. So we have him at 51. Wouldn't shock me at all if he went if he went higher. Um, Golden State just seemed like a really good fit there. 47 to Memphis also makes a ton of sense. Um, I think 41 to New Orleans can make a little bit of sense. They have a decent number of fours, but they play on the perimeter. So you can kind of play a lot of these guys together. But again, 51 wouldn't be shocked if it was higher. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good offensive player. Okay. Uh, Derek, I, there is one one player just popped into my head, and I feel like it's, it's definitely not Knicks related because we have no chance of drafting him. <laughs> but I'm really interested to hear um, – your thoughts on Chet Holmgren. And the reason I bring him up is because he's, you know, very clearly number one or number two this year. Um, I felt like I watched a lot of games of him this year and, and the base level of production that, that, you know, you can kind of just lock in is him being an elite rim protector. And I see that. And I love how um, not, I wouldn't say strong. I love how tough he is for kind of, you know, uh, his slight build, you know, he's not afraid to mix it up, but I, you know, I'm not going to lie draft draft Twitter will, you know, kind of, uh, drag you if you start to slander Chet Holmgren and talk about his size and injury concerns, but I'm not going to lie. I have him. I'm I'm very worried about his long-term health in the NBA and, and what he looks like after a lower body injury in year three, four, five, whatever it is. Um, you can shoot me straight. Am I crazy? Um, is, is that legit? What do you think? I'll say this. So the rim protection, the rim protection is elite. The timing is elite size and length. Like we haven't seen in a long time. I think he's going to be a 40% three point shooter uh, in the NBA spot up, probably off the dribble. I think he's going to be awesome. Um, I do have concerns as well, just like you. So those are not off base. And I did a podcast last night. Thunder related. They asked me a lot about it, obviously, what they have the number two pick. Um, Matt Babcock did interviews this morning for basketball news and a couple other places. Neither of us have talked to one executive in the league that has Chet number one. Um, It's almost unanimously Jabari, Paolo, and Jaden Ivey. I think Ivey has a chance of going two or three. Um, I think Chet's range is is probably one to four. I think Jaden Ivey's is as well. So I do think it's a misconception that there's a big three. There's a big four in this year's class. Um, Orlando, the front office there, historically, you look at the picks that those guys have made. It screams. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. It does. It does. And I, as soon as the lottery was over, I was like, that's Chet. Yeah. Everything we have heard, it's Jabari. 
Um, and we have, so we have, we have Jabari number one on our board. We have had Jabari number one on our big board all season. I think like right after new year's, we'd seen enough from the six ten bona fide shooter, potentially elite defender. We're like, this kid's the number one pick who can pull up um, in the fast break on a dime and make yeah. a three. <laughs> so I, I think Chet will go anywhere from one to three is my guess. I do not see him getting past Houston at three. Like I would fairly confidently say no shot. Like they would take him. Um, I think the Kings or another team trading up to two to potentially get Chet or Ivy is something to watch. Uh, but again, I think Holman's going to be really good. Um, didn't get to show much perimeter game at Gonzaga. I think maybe only 20% of his possessions were either in pick and roll or isolation. Shot blocking is there. Three-point shooting is there. I just do not feel comfortable saying that he's like a bona fide kind of guaranteed number one, just because there are people around the league that have legitimate concerns. Okay. Would you, would you say that those concerns are more injury related to his build, or do you just feel that the other guys you mentioned, Jabari, Paolo, um, Jaden, uh, you know, are just so much more highly valued by some of the guys you've spoken to. Yeah, it's a mix. Okay. Um, I don't think it's necessarily teams afraid of him getting hurt. Cause again, he is, he's as physically and mentally tough as they come. Like, even though his body is the way it is, he's tough as nails. So no one doubts that at all. Like that's widely known. Um, at least from people I've talked to, there are some guys who are worried that he'll actually, you know, not be able to put on weight or, or, you know, good weight. Um, and then I think there's a love of Jabari's athleticism and shooting. There's a love of Bancaro's ability to create for himself. I think of the three bigs at the top right now, Bancaro is the most ready to come into the NBA, yeah. get the ball at the top of the key and be asked to get a bucket. His skill level, his skill set's awesome. I'm at 6'10", 250, like huge. There are people that would take him one. Um, and then again, I just, I personally have not talked to a GM or assistant GM who's told me we have Chet number one bona fide, but it's not going to shock me at all if everybody's just doing the best smoke screens ever and all of a sudden Orlando takes him, it would be a very Jeff Weltman pick or if somebody trades up to go get him. Again, that like I could see the Thunder trading to one to go get him. I could see Houston unloading a bunch to go get him. Um, you asked me by the minute and my opinion of the big three and the order they'll be drafted changes because I don't know anybody that claims to know doesn't um, there's a case for all three. So honestly, while it makes this draft cycle super hard, it is actually really fun. And Sacramento, is there any way Jaden gets past Sacramento? Yeah, I think, I think if Jabari went one, I think if Presti took Chet at three um, and Ben Carroll, or I'm sorry, two and Ben Carroll went three, yeah, I mean, the Kings, like you look at Fox, you you look at Mitchell. I'm personally not afraid of three-guard lineups. Um, I think you would take Ivy. That's the best player on the board. We will figure it out if three of our best players are guards. And then you have Sabonis. I think you're actually having – you have a great place to build the rest of your roster around. Um, Detroit would be very pleased if Ivy did fall to five. Oh, yeah. But it would, it would be hard for me to pr- – I wouldn't feel good projecting the way I know NBA guys feel about Ivy. I would feel almost uncomfortable at this point, putting him past number four, at least today. Again, we're 30 days out, you know, ask me two weeks from now, maybe things change, but at least today, I don't see him getting past four, whoever picks there. Right. Cause that brings us to the, the Knicks potentially trading up conversation into that six, seven, eight range, which is yeah. another topic of conversation, which 
I think it's unlikely Jaden will be there at six, seven, eight, unfortunately. But six, six, seven, eight, you're trading for you're trading up for either Keegan Murray or Dyson Daniels. Yes, Dyson Daniels is the and Keegan is then another name and Shaden Sharp, the hopeful, but probably probably won't be there. But can you talk a little bit about uh Keegan, Dyson, maybe Shaden Sharp a little bit too, since we don't know anything about him really. Yeah, you know, Keegan's not the sexiest pick in the in this draft, mm-hmm. but for any football fans listening, drafting Keegan is like drafting the left tackle, um, okay. you know, number one overall. Where Very it's, important. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, he's not going to score all the touchdowns. Keegan's not going to go out and score 40 points every night. But man, are you going to be glad that he is on your team okay. because he's going to make you better. And when he is not on the floor, you're going to feel it. The all around impact for Keegan is special. Um, there's not much on the floor that he cannot do, which is why I think he's going to go super high in this draft. Um, Shaden is just so there's so many unknowns, man. Yeah. Like depending on who you talk to, you hear different things. Some teams are willing to take a flyer, some are not. The GMs with job security, you see the upside. You can afford to take a swing at four, five, six. Um, the ones who you kind of have to get it right right now. Owner lost a ton of money because of COVID. We haven't renewed our contract yet with as a general manager. Like, I don't know, Shaden. Yeah. You have He's a chance to pick. hit a home run, yeah. but it's scary. Yeah. So I don't see him slipping out of the – I'm just going to – my safe floor for me is top 10. I just don't see that happening. But, again, I mean, yeah, if I had to guess 5 to 10 at this point, 4 to 10, if somebody were to value that upside over Ivy because Sharp it does have that much potential. But there's just absolutely no way to kind of project that, so it's really difficult. Derek, I uh, I did want to ask about uh, Chip Touch a little bit on Dyson Daniels, and it's a guy that I know, at least in the the first week of the combine, Knicks fans um, heard a lot about. You know, I, I've watched as many G League games as I could this year. Unfortunately, he seems to be rising out. Yeah, of we range. thought he may fall to us at eleven yeah. before the combine. <laughs> but um, Dyson, the one thing I. I I loved about him is, uh, and, and I don't, maybe this is another reason that he's rising or, or, you know, in talks that you've had with teams, I know that people were worried about his shot and offensively how he would look. But the one thing that I, I was super impressed with, it, it, it's just a matter of who he's going against in practice as well. Like if you have to guard Jaden Hardy and Marjan on a daily base, Scoot Henderson, right? Like if you're guarding those guys, you're so NBA ready. And Jaden Hardy is another guy that we haven't talked about that I know has fallen a little bit back, but I think could be a little bit of a sleeper as well. But I feel like Dyson has the, the chance to be really special just based on the fact that he, he did really well in the G League. I know the shooting number is not great, but I think the form looks pretty good. You can let me know if, if, um, if you feel different, but I think he could definitely be special. Yeah, if you'd asked me, 11 days ago, I definitely would have thought he was there at 11. And now like some of the media stuff came out, you know, maybe, maybe that five to eight range. I was hesitant to go in on that. I made a couple calls to some teams, the guys that I trust. They were like, yeah, no, like that's real. Like we have him up there too. I was like, whoa, okay. I was like, all right, there's there, this is real. So I don't think he's there. Um, Honestly, I, I, the, the new Orleans at eight, Washington at 10, I just don't think he's there at 11. He fits like a glove in both of those places. So Matt and I sat courtside corner baseline right next to the Ignite bench on their season opener in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, really got a feel for the guys, got to talk to them, you know, listen to how they took coaching, 
got to see them on the floor, you know, in a live setting for the first time together. And while there were some moments of, you know, rust and how do we gel together and this is our first game, you know, those were obviously like there. Um, he's legitimately big. He, we were like, we left, we were like, all right, this Daniels kid is big, a really good athlete, great body. You can tell he gets himself or he takes care of himself and is in great shape. Takes coaching very well. I think he's going to be coachable. He's fairly quiet. So I don't know how much of that, like that Jaden Ivy, like killer, that Mamba mentality. I am the best player on the floor there is, but I think the leadership, the kind of discipline and the reliability is stuff you're going to get from him. Um, and that's why he's going to go super high. Interesting. Chip, um, I think I might've maxed out my questions on my end. You have anything else for, for Derek before we wrap up? I know the, the one player I want to talk about was Travion because we hadn't talked about him yet. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I got all my guys in. He was definitely uh, somebody that I, I wanted to talk about yeah. as well, too. Mm -hmm. um, but listen, uh, Derek, thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight. We know you're an incredibly busy man. I'm sure your screen time on your iPhone is, is insane these days. <laughs> my, um, my eyes are starting to hurt. I look at a screen and, and I got three computer screens here at my house, two, three monitors. So I am, uh, my eyes are just starting to bleed. Uh, but we appreciate your time for certain. Good luck in the rest of, uh, you know, uh, the draft eval. And actually one quick question before we let you go. After this next mock that you guys are doing when is the next version that you think is going to come up i'm sorry i got an alarm going off over here no worries no worries uh just the the next version of uh basketball news is mock yeah so we will actually release it what will be tomorrow morning on may 25th um that will be the update that'll be the one with johnny davis there at 11 okay. and then we'll probably go about two more weeks probably let that sit for two weeks and then we'll release a new one probably every five or six days leading up to the draft. We'll do one right before. Perfect. Well, we'll be on the lookout for that. Again, uh, Derek Murray from Basketball News. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hope you enjoy the evening and uh, we'll be in touch soon.